and welcome to In the Rising podcast. My name is Bettina, and this is the platform I've chosen to talk about living a life that's really in alignment with your hopes, your dreams, and your vision of what your great life is. Walking away from shame and blame and actually opening up that closet or trunk of fear and pain, addressing it. And that is actually what my guest today, Alexia, does. She spent years being sexually abused by family members and describes her process and her process of freedom and how she began to walk from a dark place into a light. I'm excited for you to hear her story. So I'd like to start by saying thank you, Alexia, for your time today. And thank you for, you know, even the desire to be on the podcast. Encourage a lot of people that I've asked, you know, like, hey, do you want to be on there? And there's such a, um, a limitation, like a fear and unsurety. So I applaud you on your courage yes, with ma'am. that too. put your voice out there, <laughs> not thank knowing so who's going to hear it. Yeah. Thank you um, so much. Because um, it's definitely, um, I'll be honest with you. I did not think uh, for me. I can write poems. I wrote a couple of poems, but to write a book exposing me, mm-hmm. some parts I was like, okay, but then we came to those other areas I didn't want to touch. Oh my God. I had to really like, that's what it's like. You think the Holy Ghost <laughs> and somebody praying for me because I had to really expose me. And I think me, you know how it's like you don't want to touch certain area because you know it's gonna it's you it's gonna open you up. And I'll be honest with one of the chapters that um I was writing, I did not want to touch because it was it was so let's say the the wrong boys and men chapter, that chapter. <laughs> it was so many, and I'm looking like which guy to add to this book. <laughs> And so, and so it got to a point like, okay, you know what? Just pick the one that had the most impact. Mm-hmm. And once I was able to get that trimmed down, like, okay, let's write the book out. And so um, it took some time. It really did because it, it, it was some, um, it was a depressing moment. It really was. It was like, oh my God, what, like, what was I thinking? Like, I was desperate. <laughs> but I think there's I, learning. I, there's learning yes, in that, um, yes. you know, I've, I've written a, a book. I, I didn't want to like big, big, but I wanted to do the process. But when you read it back, mm-hmm. you get to see where you've come from. You hit the market. Cause I read the book as it was published and I was amazed by, I wasn't depressed. I wasn't like, I wasn't like, I wasn't overwhelmed. It was no low moments. It's like it was like a piece. It was a closure. Mm-hmm. And when I can read the whole book, it, it's nothing like nothing like kind of bring me to a neck, have a negative component. I like, okay, Alexia, you're good to go now. You can move on. So yes, I agree. It's definitely um it's a hill, it's definitely the wholeness. I felt very, I felt light, very light and i know a lot of people come encouraged a lot of people come encouraged by it that is awesome so why don't you tell us the title of your book well the title of the book yay right here <laughs> i don't know if you can see it's close right here it's called you're not the only one who has been hurt violated abused as overcome and it's uh, just a, um 
it's just a really just a book of encouragement to let people know they're not the only ones who's been through some things. And I tell my stories, my experiences of the sexual abuse, the um, the bullying, relationships with my uh, my mom and my dad, and even um, with the wrong boys and men. Um, it's definitely um, it was a process, and um, I know a lot of people will be encouraged by because I think a lot of people wish they could say what they've been through, not just say, hey, I was hurt, I was raped, I was molested, but to take the person through, the, the reader through the journey mm-hmm. of the experience, the mindset, the feelings, the attitude, the emotions before, during, after the event. Um, I was amazed by just how much, when I was writing the story, how much I really was saying, this is how I really felt. And I think just to show that, okay, Lex, you're not the only one. Also, I think what surprised me was how I was really feeling through the process. Because I think when it took place for years, I think I was so numb. And I was like, you know, just hurry up, get over with. And to be able to like stop numbing how I felt and just write out, like, this is how I really felt when it happened. It was like, wow. It almost said, okay, like you, you do have feelings. You are a human being. And um, I think it was just a victory for me because not just writing a story and not just even go through therapy, but um, I think it was also the blessing which was able to forgive. Mm-hmm. And I think when I was able to say, you know, Father had mercy on them that raped me, I think that was like a victory within itself. Mm-hmm. So um. I'm grateful for the book, very grateful for the journey and even the encouragement to write the book. And that's, that's huge because it, it, you know, even in that one moment you were violated and then even to talk about it, especially with lately, like, what did you do to egg somebody on? There's still that concept, that feeling yes. that it's to be vulnerable again and yes. your own healing. It's not my quote, but I, I read it's a, the body keeps the score. That's a book title. Um, and he talks about you have really healed because they do their brain scans when you can tell mm-hmm. your experience with a beginning and middle and end, like a story Yes. without reliving it. And yeah. do you feel like you've gotten to that point where you can tell it like a story? I'm surprised if I do. And, I, and the reason why I'm saying that, because when I told the story so many times, especially in therapy, there are times I'll break down in tears because it's kind of, I was reliving it over and over again. And there are times I got tired of telling it. I'm like, I need, I need to break through. I need to move on past this. But I will say this though, to be able to tell my story and not cringe mm-hmm. That to me was a sign like, okay, it's not affecting like it used to, because I'll be honest with you, I thought men were, I ain't gonna lie, I thought men were, well, forgive me, boo-boo, I'll say the most cleanest words, (laughs) and I didn't think I had that issue, to be honest with you, because the the rape and the, the sexual abuse went on for years, and I did not think I had, um, discomfort around men especially black men I look back now 
I'm asking myself, okay, what's your intentions? Why are you looking at me? What's your motives? And you know, I wasn't verbally saying it. I could tell that um, I could tell that's what I was speaking mentally out. Like, hey, why are you looking at me? And I had to realize not every man is like that. Not every black man is like that. Excuse me. Especially dark-skinned black men. And um it took some time because I didn't think I was like that, to be honest with you. I didn't think um all black men were like that, but I knew I was defensive. I knew if it got to a point of equal opportunity, uh, equalizer, hands down, um, not Raider Bobby style, but I'll be like, okay, look, pink, that's it. I don't care who you are. But I had to get to the point where not all dark-skinned Black men are out to raid me or for, just want for sex. There are genuine dark-skinned Black men, uh, Black men of any color that Jim doesn't really want to be gentle kind and not just want me for the body want me more than just for the body that that they will that they will respect when I say no they won't try to I say this coerce me in a manipulative but not but even seductive way to say hey let me do this I'll get you know lay down but also to a point that if I say no they're gonna respect the no mm-hmm. And I'm confident there are men out there, and I know there's one special for me out there. I know there is one, and it's probably he's probably popped up. I was waiting for him to step up, say, "Hey, let's get hook up." I said, "Sure, let's do this right now." But um, other than that, it's, it's been a process. It really is, mm-hmm. and I think just the um, just the fact that just to, just to admit, hey, look, there's some stuff going on. I mean, they need change. I think that was just really first step. So um, I'm grateful for the process. I really am. Yeah, yeah, and you said that you had gone to some, some therapy as well. Mm -hmm. Did you feel, because therapy is some, for some people, a hard thing to go to Mm -hmm. just the act of asking for help. Yes. Did you feel that way for you? It was that any part of your story or were you okay? I actually had no problem with therapy. I had no no problem with that at all because one, um, no disrespect, kind of got me out of work, out out of work, out the office, and sometimes you need that outlet. Um, I had no problem with therapy. I think for me, I just did not like different therapy. I was going through different therapists, and it wasn't their fault at times. Also for me, because there are times I was doing therapy consistently with the same therapist, and at times I had to stop because of work. But when I started going back again for therapy and I did not want to tell the same therapist again and again, the same story. I was like, if I'm saying, my back mom saying to myself, okay, I want to move off from this. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of repeating the same story over and over again. And it wasn't like a depressed mode. I was just tired of talking about it and I'm not seeing, not talking about, I was just tired of seeing the breakthrough yeah. from it. And so there was a um, therapy called cognitive, cognitive behavior therapy. Mm-hmm. And there was two parts and I loved it. And I liked the, um, the setting, those strategies I like how, where you could break down how you feel, like this event happened, how you feel when it happened, and just the, um, the process 
oh, recognize, okay, this is the emotions. How did you feel? All that stuff. And it was actually more effective than just talking to a therapist about it because it gave me a chance to say, to process how I felt. And that really broke me through. And even at the end of the therapy, I felt light, very light. It's one thing to tell about it and then, okay, is that the system? But to really feel really light after processing the emotions and even the assumptions and even the myths of the things I've been through, it was really a load off my back. And even that last therapy session, I went back to work and one dude who was really dark skinned, great coworker, I didn't look at him like, okay, what's your, what's your intentions? I didn't look at that anymore because I knew like, okay, Alexa, you really broke through. You're not looking at man. You're not defensive, not uh, what's the term. You're not uncomfortable. You're not paranoid. So um, I encourage therapy. I encourage, I don't care who, I don't care what background, what religion, I don't care what preference. Mm-hmm. Um, therapy, I encourage therapy. I encourage it. Yeah. And I liked how you talked about different kinds because a a lot of people I encounter, um, they're like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And I've gone through my fair share. I had like different kinds, all sorts of, but the Mm -hmm. one that caused me the breakthrough was a specific kind where I literally, I I had to tell the story the first time, right? You got to at least get that going. But Mm -hmm. I had to feel because I I had numbed out to cope, but numbing is not coping. Numbing is a strategy. What do you feel about that? I so agree because I didn't think I was coping. Mm. I think after the last incident with one of my my uncles, my second dad, I don't like to say stepdad, second dad side of the family, last incident that took place, I was relieved that he he no longer had, no, no, no longer do anything to me. But I did think I was numb, I was numb from it, but I knew I was fighting a lot, especially boys. I I don't know what it was, but I had to fight a couple of boys because there was one incident where I was headed back to class, and I think it was like fifth grade. I was headed back to class, and there were these two boys who did was really trying to block me. And I'm back in my mind, like, why? And I had a funny feeling they wanted some in fifth grade. Why? I don't know. And I was like, no, I'm going to fight through this. And so I had to fight one of the kids, one of the male students to get to class because I kind of feel they was going to want some for me. And I didn't want to go through that because I have been through that so many years. But with numbness, I think, I think a lot. Of, I was numb, but I think that numb kind of helped me because we came to fighting. I would go full force, and I didn't do it to everybody because some were too tall of me. I didn't have an equalizer at the time. Mm-hmm. It really, I could tell I did some damage. I um, punched somebody in the face a couple of times. Punch a guy. Punch boys. I punch boys in the face. Um, Kick, fight, um, father twin brother. He almost killed him. <laughs> but um, that's that's another segment. <laughs> but um <laughs> you gotta protect yourself, right? Oh, ditto, ditto. But here's where the numbing stopped. 
Um, I don't know you remember a movie called The Lord's Claiborne mm-hmm. by Stephen King. Mm-hmm. And I was in my mom, I was in my mom's bedroom and I had watched it a second time. And when I saw what was going on between the dad and the daughter, especially, I think it was like at a ferry, like a ferry boat, something like that. And it was, I think it was cold outside. And the dad told his daughter to warm, I was gonna say this, warm up. It's kind of clicked, like, whoa. I that I've been through that. Mm-hmm. And it it like it hit me in a way. I'm like, wait a minute, I experienced this. And even though my mom caught one of my uncles in the act, or before he was about to really handle business with me, she didn't know that it had been going on for years. Mm-hmm. And so that act, that movie alone took some of the numbing out. And about about I want to say 2001, I was at church, and um, I was at the altar, and I had just got saved. And when the pastor was calling stuff out, saying no, he molested you, he raped you, I just started. Scream. I think I was like, "Thank you, Lord." I just broke down, and I did not know how much it how. I, how's up with this you know i just want to scream but you can't scream like some just like oh you got this like i had to get this out of me because i didn't know how i didn't know i held that pain i didn't know i was crying i didn't know i was screaming i think i i think i was like suffocated mm-hmm. or kind of like kind of suppressed it because i did not know how much that affected me. I had no idea. And I think for me, just trying to be a tough woman, with a, I'm going to say tough woman, but tough girl, tough teenager, and even as an adult in my early early adult years, I was trying to be this pit bull person, like, you know, you can't phase me. I'm, you know, I ain't going to cry with nothing. But when it came to the sexual abuse, I broke down because... I was violated. I was hurt. And I think I didn't want to deal with it when I was young because I just wanted it done over with. But to just weep and say, okay, it's, it's okay. It's over. You know, it's not going to happen again. Um, it was a relief, but I still had to go through that process of walking out that healing part because even though it was called out, I still need to go to therapy. Yeah. And there are times I do I needed medication. Sometimes I did. And there have been times where I was in the presence of one of my uncles. And um, my um, uncle on my second dad's side of the family could tell I was not comfortable. He didn't know what happened. Mm-hmm. And I and when I told him what happened, um, Angelai, I wish out there he probably lit the uncle up because I had said to the uncle um, that had um, raped me. I told him I forgive you, but I also said uh, if I have fun, you know, funny feeling you about to do something, let's say I encouraged them. <laughs> uh, I I encouraged them, but um, he has passed away. But um, 
it's really been um it's been a process it really has and um just to tell people my story out tears without regret without say it's my fault it's really um it's freeing there is a lot of freedom in forgiveness and as you heard her say forgiveness did not mean that it stayed under figuratively or literally under the sheets There is a lot of freedom in forgiveness and forgiveness of yourself for keeping something quiet, forgiveness for not knowing and forgiveness for your own process that it does not have to be the way someone else thinks your process should be. So this is part one of my conversation with Alexia and I am so excited for part two, which comes out next week. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave it a five-star review. It does so much to put this in the hands and ears of those that would really need it. And until next time, let's keep building one another up.